Hi everyone, welcome back to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm Ishwarya, your host for this episode. And I'm Aryan. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon and subscribe for amazing exclusive features and content like merch, video calls with us, an extra episode a month, a private Facebook group and more. To help the podcast out and to avail these benefits, go to www.patreon.com slash desicrime and select a tier that works best for you. We can't wait for all of you to join. The case I have for you today is a love story. A love story shaped by the class and religious struggle in India. It is the story of a marriage that our society couldn't accept and the heavy price that comes with the defiance of one society. This is the love story of Rizwanur Rahman and Priyanka Todi. So this is one of those cases I have no idea about beforehand. I've never heard of this case. You have refrained from telling me absolutely anything. And it's actually kind of fun, you know, going into this blindsided. Right? I realized this with the last few episodes that we've put out, that it's so much more fun not knowing anything at all. In this episode, Aryan, you're effectively like our listeners. Yep. I am with you guys on this one. So tell us, Ashwarya, what's this love story you have for us today? This story begins 13 years ago in 2007 in Kolkata. Kolkata, like most cities in India, was in 2007 and still is a sharp contrast between the extremely wealthy and the extremely poor. A city of 15 million people, Kolkata is the third largest city in India by population and what is considered a city with one of the lowest urban standards of living anywhere in the world. Kolkata has 70% of its population living at or below the country's poverty line. Somewhere in this population of 15 million people lived two very different families. One was the family of a very rich Hindu billionaire, one of the richest families in the world, the family of Priyanka Todi. The other was a poor yet hard-working Muslim family, the family of Rizwan or Rahman. In early 2007, these families have nothing to do with each other. But somewhere along the line, their paths will cross and both of these families will change forever. In 2007, Priyanka Tori is a bright, young, vivacious and lively girl who has everything going for her. Her father, a prominent billionaire in the country, runs one of the country's most successful businesses, Lux Industries. Now, as Indians, we all know what Lux is. We've used a Lux soap, we've bought Lux innerwear, and we've seen our favourite actresses in Lux ads on TV. Priyanka was 23 years old at the time and decides to join a graphics institute to learn graphic designing and eventually, hopefully, help out her father's business with the same. In this institute, Priyanka meets Rizwan Rahman, 
a 27-year-old dedicated and hard-working graphics instructor who's teaching at this institute. Rizwan, despite being from a poor family in Kolkata, is a very intelligent young man. He worked hard in school and ended up studying at St. Xavier's College in Kolkata, which is one of India's most prominent higher education institutes. After he ends his education, he gets a job at the Graphics Institute, where he begins teaching other young people just like himself. Priyanka Todi is one of his students. After a few months of studying with each other, the two become increasingly close. Initially, they become close friends and eventually they fall in love. But for months on end, they hide their affair from their families because they understand what it means for a rich Hindu girl to marry a poor Muslim boy in India in 2007. They meet each other in secret locations, they meet each other without telling anyone, they meet each other by making excuses, but eventually it all becomes too much. By 2007, after almost a year of hiding their affair, it's just become too much. They know they're adults, they know they can do whatever they want with their lives, but despite that, they also know that their families will never agree. I'll preface this by saying I love India for everything India is, but why do these things have to be this way in India? And I'm not saying that parents always have to approve of their kids' marriage or partner, but somewhere they need to realize their kids are independent human beings that can marry whoever they want and whoever they love. Just, just there's no need for approving of their kids every single bloody choice. I think as sad as this mindset is, it's a very big reality of the world we live in. We divide the world around us into boxes of rich and poor, Hindu and Muslim, and spend our entire lives fighting the boxes that aren't ours. We're a country with one of the highest rates of honor killing anywhere in the world, so clearly, we're going wrong somewhere. But in August of 2007, things look like they might actually work out for Priyanka and Rizwan. On the 18th of August of 2007, Priyanka and Rizwan go over to a court in Kolkata with a few friends and colleagues without telling any of their family members and get married under the Special Marriages Act of 1954. Now, if you're wondering what the Special Marriages Act is, I'll tell you a little about it. In India, since we don't have a uniform civil code, different religions can have different kinds of marriages accepted by the states. So for two Hindus getting married, we have the Hindu Marriages Act. For two Muslims getting married, we have the Muslim Personal Law Application Act, and so on. For marriages regardless of religion, nationality, or ethnicity, India has the Special Marriages Act, under which Priyanka and Rizwanur get married in August of 2007. After their marriage, the two, however, continue to live in their own separate homes with their own separate families. So basically, after their marriage, they go back to living exactly the way they were before they got married. And their families are not aware of their marriage. Exactly. It's like it never happened. Their kids left their house one day, got married, entered their houses, and it was all back to normal. Over the next month, Rizwan and Priyanka just know that they have to start telling their families because they can't keep hiding a marriage forever. Rizwan is the first one to tell his parents. He ends up telling his brother and his mother of Priyanka and of the fact that he's married to her too. Rizwan's family is obviously in shock. They love Rizwan and they care for him, but they know his relationship with Priyanka can be incredibly dangerous for him and for them too. 
who knows what one of the richest families in the country can do to them if they don't approve of a marriage however despite their fear and their apprehension they know that in this critical moment in his life rizwan needs them so they stand by him on getting his family's approval rizwan ends up getting priyanka to his small little house priyanka who still hasn't told her family just leaves her home one day and comes to rizwan's house with some of her most important belongings she gets her important documents photographs and some pairs of clothes of course going over to your husband's house with some of your most important belongings is not something priyanka could have kept hidden from her family by the next day her family finds out priyanka's father her brother her brother-in-law and a group of other people all make their way to their bungalow in kolkata to the small slum where priyanka now was they reach rizwan's house and there they beg for priyanka to come back they tell her they let everything go they'll forgive her for hiding all of this from them but they just want her to break her marriage and come back they try to explain to her that if people find out that this incredibly powerful man's daughter ran away with a poor muslim boy their family will be ridiculed and embarrassed in society but priyanka doesn't budge she refuses to leave the man she loves and go back home when they realize priyanka's not coming back they return home but now priyanka and rizwan know they need to be careful they knew that at best priyanka's family would try to get priyanka back again and at worst they would try to kill them both jesus what kind of parents do you have to be for your daughter even even for one second to think you're going to kill her and the man she loves purely because they love each other oh i know i don't have a stellar impression of her parents even at this point in the story without even considering what's going to happen ahead on realizing this very threat to themselves and their lives Priyanka and Rizwan go over to the local police station and file a complaint against Priyanka's family. They tell the cops how they met, how they got married and why they think their lives are in danger and they beg Kolkata police for protection. Now, the cops know that the couple hasn't done anything wrong. The cops know they're both adults. They've done what they are granted the right to do and it's obviously not the job of the police to morally judge a couple standing in front of them. asking for protection against being killed but instead of helping the couple kolkata police does something else at the time the deputy commissioner of police of kolkata ajay kumar instead of giving the couple protection asks rizwan to let priyanka go back to her family for just one week he and the officers under him taunt the couple and threaten rizwan They tell him that if he doesn't let Priyanka go back for a week, they'll arrest him and put him behind bars for abduction and illegal confinement if his wife, quote, remains confined in his tiny run-down house, end quote. This is the first time the couple realizes the power that Priyanka's family holds in Kolkata. But despite all the threats they get, Priyanka refuses to go back and continues to stay in Rizwan's house. Over the course of the next 2 months the cops will summon and threaten the couple over and over again. They'll also threaten their friends and their family, making life difficult for everyone. Slowly and slowly Priyanka's family comes to terms with the fact that their daughter is refusing to come back home. Now, I don't know whether what happens next is the truth or just a scheme by the Tory family to get Priyanka back. 
But the family sends across a message to Priyanka that her father, Ashok Tori, has fallen incredibly sick. They tell her that he is bedridden, unwell, and in this condition, he is begging to see Priyanka just once. They also tell her that they'll give her a legally enforceable and signed bond which states that Priyanka will be returned to Rizwan's house the moment her father's condition improves a little. Of course now Priyanka like all daughters loves her father and knows that if there's even a little chance that he's actually truly unwell she has to be there for him. So Priyanka, Rizwan and Priyanka's uncle go over to the police station to sign the bond in sight of the cops which stated that Priyanka would be returned to Rizwan's home in 7 days on the 15th of September. Both Priyanka and Rizwan breathe the sigh of relief because they thought she'll be able to come back easily now. But when Priyanka reaches her home back to her family, what happens is something neither Priyanka nor Rizwan ever imagined. Rizwan soon realizes he's unable to reach Priyanka on her cell phone and that she isn't responding to his texts or calls. However, he stays hopeful that she'll return at the end of the week, just like the bond said. However, days pass by and he doesn't see or hear from the woman he loves. I there's a bond signed to return a woman send a woman you know send a woman here there everywhere it's it sounds like you're trading property or something it, it really it does. doesn't sound okay <laughs> i know and i agree the language of the bond too was on the lines of we will return her we are taking her we will return her after 7 days she's a woman for god's sake <laughs> i know i completely agree anyway so priyanka is over at her own house and rizwan is unable to reach her but he stays hopeful that he'll be able to reach her at the end of the week she'll come back because they've signed a legally binding bond however days pass by and he doesn't see or hear from her at all now rizwan is worried he stays awake at night and lost during the days trying to figure out what he can do to make sure priyanka is okay and get her back safely while he's thinking about all of this one day his phone suddenly rings but it's an unknown number He picks up and is shocked when on the other end of the line he hears Priyanka crying and whispering. Priyanka tells Rizwan she loves him, asks him to never forget her and wait for her for as long as he can. She says, "Wait for me even if it takes years because I will come back to you." Rizwan tells her he loves her too and that he'll wait for her for as long as he can for the rest of his life if need be, no matter how long it takes. Priyanka hurriedly cuts the call and after this Priyanka and Rizwan the two people crazily in love with each other fighting against the world would never be able to hear each other's voices again and this is all still happening in September of 2007 yep this is the end of august beginning september and you know that is exactly what makes you realize how quickly all of this was happening to these two mm. very young people Over the next few days Rizwan tries to call the main phone in Priyanka's house but her family refuses to let Priyanka come to the phone. Other than that he has no way of reaching her. So he does something he knows may end up hurting him more than helping him but he has no other choice. He goes over to Kolkata police to beg the very same cops who had taunted and threatened him when he had first come asking for help. But the cops were of no help again. 
they were arrogant and rude and it became clear to Rizwan that they were working to help the very rich Tori family at the expense of people like him. As a next resort, Rizwan prepares to file a criminal case with the High Court of Kolkata against the Tori family for keeping an adult woman forcefully against her will. However, while he's preparing for his case on the 19th of September, he comes across an organization called the Association for the Protection of Democratic Rights and he thinks they might be able to help. On that very day, a helpless Rizwan submits a letter to the association explaining his situation. Aran, would you like to read this excerpt from his letter and also its English translation? Okay. मैं रिजवान रहमान भारत का एक संजीदा और ईमानदार नागरिक हूँ मैंने हमेशा संविधान की इज्जत की है एक बालिक होने के नाते मैंने और प्रियंका तोड़ी ने कानून के रास्ते जाकर एक दूसरे से शादी की है प्लीज़ हमारी मदद करिए और मुझे मेरी बीवी से मिलवा दीजिए In English, that would be, I, Rizwanur Rahman, am a law-abiding and loyal citizen of India. I have always respected the constitution of this country. As an adult, I and Priyanka Todi followed the law and got married legally. Please help the both of us and please get me to meet my wife. Unquote. Exactly two days after he wrote this letter to the association, on the 21st of september 2007 and almost exactly a month after he and priyanka got married people living in the dumdum area of kolkata find a dead body lying on the train tracks that passed from within that area the body was of a man but his head was disfigured beyond recognition there was a deep wound on the back of his head and his hands were folded on his chest Oddly his clothes were absolutely clean and tidy the cops soon arrive on the scene and recognize the body as that of 27 year old Rizwanur Rahman they send Rizwan's body to the hospital for a postmortem report but before that could have ever been done before the doctors could have ruled on the condition of his body Kolkata police commissioner Prasun Mukherjee declares that Rizwan's death was quote definitely a suicide or an accident end quote the city of kolkata is in shock by this time they've all heard rumors of this love story for the past 2 months but now this is more than just town gossip soon after his dead body was found rizwan's mother and brother come forward to tell the media that they are certain their son could not have committed suicide and they believe he was killed They also tell the media of the threats and all the harassment they've been facing at the hands of Kolkata police and the Tori family for months now. Because of these statements made by Rizwan's family, pressure on Kolkata police begins to rise. The people want answers to how things got so out of hand when a legally married couple wanted nothing but to do what exactly they had the right to do. Under pressure Prasun Mukherjee the police commissioner who declared Rizwan's death a suicide comes forward to give a statement and effectively says that the Tori family was completely justified in their behavior he says quote can you imagine what a family goes through when they find out that the child they've spent their life raising and taking care of has left their house without telling them and gone to live with some random man How can parents ever approve of such an act by their child? If the police does not interfere in these family matters, who will do it? 
the public works department end quote <laughs> when pressed on the legality of his comments in that very press conference the commissioner became angry and left the conference midway of course he did of course he did after this statement the city of kolkata was up in arms people couldn't believe the very people situated to protect their rights are the people who would pass a moral judgment on their lives and refuse to provide any help even when their lives were at stake around the same time people began protesting against the actions of the police there spread a rumor it was said that kolkata police was trying to remove rizwan's body from the morgue where it was kept and make it disappear so that the doctors couldn't determine what the real cause of his death was after this people's anger reached an unprecedented scale on the 22nd september 2007 a violent mob went rampage in the park circus and tiljala area of kolkata and set a police vehicle on fire by the end of these riots 17 policemen were injured 24 youths were injured and 14 police vehicles had been completely damaged and many of them burnt the media also ends up learning that the entire reason why prasun mukherjee was going so out of his way to help the tori family was not just because he was corrupt and wanted to help the rich it was because ashok tori had actually helped mukherjee become the president of the cricket association of bengal ashok tori apparently was also connected to people like snehashish ganguly the brother of indian cricket captain saurav ganguly and used snehashish ganguly to put pressure on the kolkata police to separate the couple ashwara keep dada out of this dada has no role in this so i am not a cricket fan i have no idea what keep that dada means keep dada out of this <laughs> all right now in all of this the context of politics is incredibly important to understand at the time west bengal was governed by the communist party of india marxist and buddhadev bhattacharya was the chief minister of the state for 11 years for west bengal and for the communist party muslims in the state were a very important source of voters in fact the communist party actually acknowledges that the police's claim that rizwanur rahman committed suicide was alienating their muslim voters thus in a few swift moves the administration of the state fires some key police officers including prasun mukherjee and hands over the case to the cbi just like the population wanted now if you're all wondering where is priyanka in all of this where is the other half of this love story you're right to wonder for weeks after rizwan's body was found she remained quiet and away from the public eye and didn't make any statement to the media however weeks into his death she sends a legal notice to rizwan's mother kishwar jahan this notice says nothing about rizwan's death but only says quote priyanka tori will not return to the house of rizwan ur rahman she will stay with her father ashok tori at his residence She is equally shocked after the incident as is Rizwanur's family. Please return her belongings including sarees, greeting cards, personal diaries, photographs, birth certificates, school certificates and others. End quote. In this notice, Priyanka sounds angry at Rizwan's mother for giving some of her photographs with Rizwan to the media. Rizwan's mother, hurt and shocked to see Priyanka's notice, writes a letter back to her. In this letter 
she says she had hoped Priyanka would mourn for Rizwan's death and try to seek justice for him. Her letter says, quote, You should have come to meet a mother who lost her son because of the conspiracy hatched by influential police officers and your father. It is a matter of deep regret that you have sent the letter through your advocate. I am hoping that you will come yourself and take these things. It will be very unfortunate if I have to hand them over to an advocate's peon or clerk instead of my daughter-in-law with whom I have no judicial dispute. End quote. In her first ever statement to the press, Priyanka changes her tune completely. She claims she never needed protection from her parents and that her parents had never threatened or troubled her or Rizwan. In fact, she goes on to claim that it was Rizwan's brother and friends who had been troubling the two of them and that was the reason she believed Rizwan committed suicide. She said, quote, My mind was blank. I was just signing whatever letters Rizwan was telling me to sign. End quote. Not cool. Uh, it's not cool. I, you know, the other innate apathy towards an individual who would do that to their partner. But... What component of this is her being pressurized and, you know, emotional torment, physical torment, and again, alleged, but still, I there is one part to this that makes me hate her for doing this, but there's this other part where I understand how she might be going through something that is external, which might influence her. I completely agree, and I think that's one of the reasons why after this letter, Rizwan's mother or brother don't ever mention Priyanka in a bad light ever again, because I think they too realize mm. that this girl, this young girl, was actually in love with Rizwan, and is probably going through a lot on her end of the story as well, and they have no idea about that. And her saying anything new wouldn't make Rizwan alive, so... Right. I think they understand that. Right, I'm sure they expect a little integrity from her, but they get where she's coming from. At this time, when Priyanka is coming forward and making these statements, the CBI investigation into Rizwan's death is still on. The CBI investigator in charge of this case is Arun Kumar, the very investigator who also investigated the Arshit Alwar case and the Nithari case. I am an Arun Kumar fanboy. I should put <laughs> I this out there. Are. I have eaten the movie Arushit Alwar. Arun Kumar was in fact the character played by, uh, rest in peace, Irfan Khan. And um, I love Arun Kumar for all the cases. I, I, we this have time a fanboy. Nithari, I wish we get to interview him sometime <laughs> on this podcast. Right. However, Arun Kumar's theory, which is the CBI's theory of what happened to Rizwan, the police's theory and the people's theory are very, very different. The CBI's theory was that Rizwan did indeed commit suicide. During their investigation, they claimed they found a suicide letter on Rizwan's computer that stated that he was going to kill himself because he knew he would never be able to be with the woman he loved and that this country had failed him. However, the CBI charged Ashok Tori, his brother Pradeep Tori, his brother-in-law Anil Sarogi and three police officers with abetment to suicide of Rizwan. Mm. According to the Times of India, the CBI also recommended proceedings against Prasun Mukherjee for interfering in the marriage of two consenting adults. An unknown source also provided the CBI with text messages in Hindi from Rizwan's phone from the day he died. The first text message was from Rizwan to Ashok Tori. 
The text said, quote, Papa, there is 10 minutes before I kill myself. Let me talk to her for the last time. End quote. The second was from Rizwan to Priyanka's mother, Vimla Tori. The text said, quote, Mom, I will kill myself in five minutes. Please let me talk to her. End quote. If this happened. Mm-hmm. If, okay. It's all if and alleged right now. This, I, can't, I, can't, I can imagine the guy being in front of a railway track, texting this, wanting to talk to the person he loves so much. It's, it's haunting. If this happened, it's actually haunting. If this happened, these text messages give us a very sad picture into his frame of mind Mm. just minutes before he died. But you're right, this is all alleged. In regard with these text messages, it must be noted that in India, it's illegal for a mobile service provider to let out text messages of an individual unless they are suspected of a serious crime. Since Rizwan wasn't suspected of a crime, CBI still doesn't know where these text messages came from and how the service provider ever gave them to someone outside of the CBI. The theory of the people and of Rizwan's family is that Rizwan was killed by Kolkata police at the command of the Todi family. The fact that Kolkata police had harassed Rizwan and his family for so long is proof that they were actively working against the couple at the command of the Todi's. Rizwan's brother says that those text messages that we just spoke about could not be written by Rizwan because Rizwan never wrote text messages in Hindi. He always wrote them in English. The deep wound behind Rizwan's head is also indication to many people that foul play is involved. Okay, so when it comes to suicide, this is how I picture it. The most likely way of committing suicide, and one could easily go to that uh, conclusion, is ingesting poison the second most likely is jumping from a building the third which is not that likely but i'll still believe is self-immolation or burning yourself i don't think it's possible for you to kill yourself by lying on the tracks and waiting for a train to come and crush you I agree. I completely agree with that. In fact, the way his body was found with hands folded on his chest and clean clothes, everything just seemed very staged. Also, the train driver whose train supposedly killed Rizwan has come forward to say that Rizwan was lying dead on the tracks and that his train did not hit his body at all. But this man was largely ignored. The CBI also received an anonymous letter by someone who claimed that they had seen Rizwan being kidnapped on the day of his murder. Eventually, a man named Indranil Ghosh came on a TV channel and claimed he was the one who saw Rizwan being kidnapped on the day of his murder. However, when CBI interrogated him, they found inconsistencies in his story and dismissed it. But if you're a part of the group that already believes Rizwan was killed, just hold on. Arinda Manna is a sub-inspector with the railway police and also the first person to see Rizwan's dead body. If you want to see Arinda Manna's photo and of Rizwan's, go to our Instagram or Twitter at Desi Crime. Arinda Manna is the first person who called the police to the crime scene and gave the very first description of how he found the body. So Manna is not just an investigating officer in the case, but also the case's first eyewitness. 
Manna, ever since he found Rizwan's body, had tried to tell the cops and the media that Rizwan did not commit suicide. He said he believed Rizwan didn't kill himself because he had seen Rizwan in a car around the same area but headed in a direction different to the train tracks just an hour or so before he found his body on the tracks. Manna is one of the few people in the police force who were advocating for Rizwan's death to not be ruled a suicide. Almost two years after Rizwan's body was found on the train tracks, on the 11th of February 2009, another body is found on the very same tracks. This body too has a disfigured head hard to identify. This body too has injuries on the back of its head eerily similar to those of Rizwan. The bones on the hands of this body were broken and this body was missing an eye. This body is identified as that of Arindam Manna. No. Just like with Rizwan, Kolkata police calls this case a suicide much before they mm. ever get a postmortem report. But Manna's family, just like Rizwan's family, claims their son was murdered by Kolkata police at the command of the Todi family. Manna's brother came forward to say, quote, Arindam had two mobile phones, one had Vodafone and the other had an Airtel connection. The police recovered the cell phones, but the SIM cards were missing. The SIM cards have been deliberately taken out to destroy the evidence. Arindam's hands and legs have been broken and his eyes were jutting out. This cannot happen in a suicide. It is a murder and we want the criminals to be punished. End quote. You don't need to be a medical examiner to figure out that if somebody's eyes are popping out, their bones are broken and the sims yep. are missing from the phone that the individual did not commit suicide, more, more likely did not commit suicide. Yep, I agree. But nobody listened to either of the two families and their voices are still going unheard today. Today, the rich Tori family continues to live peacefully, making money off of their enterprise. Ashok Tori can be seen in big corporate events and sometimes you'll see his daughter Priyanka with him. Well, they're living lux cozy lives very <laughs> they are. When the nation sees Priyanka with him, they can't help but wonder, why did she not stand up for him? Was she intimidated by her family or was Rizwan truly forcing her against her will? Was Rizwan's death just a love story gone wrong or was it an elaborate scheme that represents everything wrong with India today? I guess somewhere in her heart, India knows the answers to all these questions. But just like for us, it's hard for her to face the truth. Thank you.